everybody, you are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. My name's Vera, and I'm joined, as always, by... Liz! And um, we did miss last month. I was busy with work. You, you, were, bu- you were busy gearing up for um, the school year to start. Uh-huh. I <laughs> have no such excuse, but... Mm, I lost track of time and calendars and days, so I was, you were busy and I was me, is basically what happened there. I'm really proud of you for admitting that, because I was willing to take the fall for it. And I appreciate that from you. Officially in like the the network chat, I did blame you. I don't know how many of them will listen to this and be like, you! (laughs) I didn't realize you would blame me on the network chat. I did blame you. You, Well, you gave me permission. So yes, I did blame you in the network chat. They actually suggested blaming you going forward for every time something was late. <laughs> I, I get the sense that they don't really believe you, anyways. Then probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, not. Not if not if they know me at all. Then no, they they didn't believe me. <laughs> no. In any case, we're back, and this time we are taking a look at a book we actually picked up while we were kind of on a little um, anniversary outing. Mm-hmm. Because we went to the Eric Carle Museum. Um, Eric Carle, the uh, children's book author and illustrator of things like The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Um, the Mixed Up Chameleon. Yep. All kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a museum of, of his work, but also other children's book art. Um, it was really cool. It was. I was... I was expecting it to be a little bigger, but I kind of like that it wasn't and that it has these different rotating exhibits and just how much, although it was based in art, how much like the books were really present and they had this whole little library, which I spent Mm. some extra time in. (laughs) Yep, you did. I think we actually did talk about this last recording, um, but I bring it up again because that's where we acquired the book that we're reading this time and it's The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag, um, who is increasingly well-established. She uh, did Witch Boy, which um, I think Tim Price has recommended mm-hmm. previously. One of my students recently checked that out, too. I forget who, but yes. Um, and has also uh, done work on a number of other things, including uh, doing writing for The Owl House. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote my kid's favorite episode. Uh, so... Is that the prom one? That's Grom, yeah. Grom, Grom, Grom. yeah. Grom. Um, and is also the, uh, wife of Noelle Stevenson, who we know from, um, well, relative to this podcast, Nimona, and also, um, creating she and the Princesses of Power, so... And was working on Lumberjanes for a while, too, which we also covered. Yes, yes, she, she did, um, overarching story work and the covers for a while. So character design was her main contribution there. So yeah, lots of lots of things kind of meeting and colliding on this. Um, and this book is sort of signed. She had been there before and signed a whole bunch of stickers that could be applied to the book. So I have a signed sticker inside my copy. Hey, I'll take it. Me too. So this um, tells the story of a young girl named Morgan. 
uh, Morgan Kwan, who, uh, is, you know, she lives on this island, and her family is not in the best shape right now. Her dad left, her younger brother's kind of gone into preteen funk. Mm -hmm. um, her mother is a little bit overwhelmed by life. <laughs> and one night when she is out, she... Uh, <clears throat> she falls into the water while it's raining and is rescued by a naked girl about her size with green hair. Uh -huh. And Morgan is very convinced that this is a dream. Uh -huh. And since it's a dream, she might as well roll with it and she kisses this girl. Well, that has some long-lasting consequences because the girl whose name is Kelty uh, is a Selkie. And if you know that particular bit of um, sort of Celtic, um, Irish, that area, lore, yeah. lore, Selkies are seals who can take human form and they sort of carry their seal skin um, and that they will then dawn once again to return to the ocean at some later point. And so now Morgan has um, has basically a, an instant girlfriend that she didn't realize she was getting because the, the feelings are incredibly mutual and the kiss was what gave Kelty the ability to come onto land. But of course Morgan has, you know, normal girl life things. Mm -hmm. going on and it gets complicated and confusing and um and there's all that kind of stuff there, there's a lot of teenage angst and issues going on in this there's a there's a bit um but what did you think i liked it it was a little too smoopy and like kissy and romantic for me it's not that's not usually my genre but it was sweet and i like the story um the dilemmas were good and relatable um it was a little it was a little too romantic and sentimental for me but other than that i i thought it was a sweet story i thought it was i liked that they told it um and i think a lot of people would like it a lot of like early teens I could see liking it. So here's my thing on it. I I do like it. I actually even like the romantic elements because as much as I rail on romantic subplots, mm -hmm. when the romance is the point, which I can... Which it very much Which was. it very much is in this case. I can generally roll with it much better because it doesn't feel like it's intruding mm -hmm. on a story that doesn't need it, which is why I tend to resent romantic subplots. Um, so that didn't bother me. There were two things that held it back for me, but they are kind of unique to me and not a reason to not read the book. One is, I know Selkie stories a bit too much, mm. and they kind of all have the same structure. Like, I've seen The Secret of Rowan Inish, I've seen Song of the Sea, I, I know this story. And sort of getting variants of the Selkie stories a little bit like getting variants of The Little Mermaid, structurally it's going to be fundamentally the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then the other thing is, and this is this is a vintage gripe for me. I haven't had to do this one in a while. It's the teenage angst, which was the kind of thing that 
didn't sour, but dampened my enjoyment of things like Roller Girl way back at the start of this yeah. freaking podcast. <clears throat> Which is not to say that it's badly handled. It's not, but there is a lot of stuff, particularly around Mor the friends. Morgan's friends, uh, particularly Serena, who is the wealthier of her friends. So there's there's a there's a whole dynamic, and there's a whole fear of letting them know. Well, double la double layered fear, letting them know that there's this magical seal girl who's following me around, and also, oh, I'm gay. Mm -hmm. So, there's these layers of it. Th some of it is still fairly well handled. One of the things I appreciate is that Morgan knows she's gay mm -hmm. before the thing even starts. Yeah. So, I, I do like that her, like, oh my god, why am I feeling these feelings is not a part of this story. Like, she, she actually sorted that part already. Mm-hmm. Which is good, because I think that's a layer it didn't need. I mean, when your first girlfriend is, like, a selkie and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's enough, there's there's enough, enough weirdness. There's enough going on. Yeah, like, you, you probably should sort some of that out. And, you know, there is that coming out element and everything, so. There is. I think what I liked about the, the way that was handled was I liked the idea that she had, she had, like, a plan in her head, like, about getting off the island and going to college and there she could be gay and be like she it's not like she's completely repressed she does have a plan to be herself but it's it's delayed she thinks she can't be herself now so i do appreciate that little nuance that that she's not really closeted she's just kind of scared of the specific circumstances she's in right now and she's definitely not in self-denial no, she's she's aware of it, yeah. Um, which which that I certainly appreciate, considering that I I understand as someone who had a very long and incredibly gradual process of coming out to different people in my life at various points. Mm -hmm. I understand the sort of hesitance and the sort of like coming up with a plan, like okay, at this point I'll tell these people and then these people, like and and I, and I get that. As long as it isn't portrayed as, like, the thing that I am increasingly sick of, which is the idea of being some kind of queer is basically to be in pain. Yeah. Which I don't think this does. No, and I think, too, um, the way it was handled and how her friends and family accepted it very much. It, I think she was, she had a fear of it, and it was, you know, she that's what held her back, but then when she did it, she found acceptance. Her mom was especially, I like her response a lot. Yeah. She was her, super cheesy. Her issue was much more needing to get out of her own head than having accurately assessed whether or not people would accept her, which I feel like is also pretty accurate to a lot of us. Yeah. Yep. Especially a teen girl. And I think it makes sense that whole small town feel of like, I... There's, you know, everyone knows me or has a certain idea of me and I need to get away to be my authentic self. I think anyone who's grown up in a small town keeping a secret probably has felt that at one point or another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't really talked about the art. What did you think? 
uh, on that? It was it was fun. I mean, it's it's kind of sweet and cutesy too, with really emphasizing Kelsey's big seal eyes and sparkly. It it works for what the story is, you know, which is a sweet teen romance. Yeah, the the art. I mean, the um, structurally and the the way the panels flow and everything, it's very well done. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the art is very fitting of the story, I think. So, it's while not necessarily anything that blew me away, it, it does definitely work for, um, for the story that it's telling. And, you know, as, as much as I kind of was like, eh, about a lot of the sort of young teenage girl stuff, there were some moments that I was like, okay, I kind of like that. Like, we, we would have these... Um, these text chains from, like, these group chats. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls would be like, oh, which of these dresses should I wear tomorrow? And everyone would be like, this one, this one. Yeah, definitely this one. And then she's like, I'm going to wear the other one. <laughs> yep. I have done that myself, I think. So Yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. Be like, um, okay. Yeah, ultimately their opinion is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, there, there are um, a lot of nice little touches as it goes along, which I appreciated. Um, and if you're not overly familiar with, um, with Selkie stories, as I think I probably am, versus your average reader. Yeah, I knew of them and the basic gist of them, but it's not... For the, for the mythology I know and stuff, I don't know it as well as some other things. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like I don't want to paint myself as like an expert on selkies or anything, but this is now like the third selkie story I've I've read or watched, and they all bear a lot of similarity structurally in terms of the arc of the relationship between whoever the human character is um, and the selkie. It also has some similarities to some mermaid stories. Well, yeah, there's 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 bleed over there as well. I mean, I didn't make the comparison to The Little Mermaid idly. That said, it's not a recreation of The Little Mermaid with a seal girl. I don't want to give that impression, no. but it's kind of hard to miss the uh, comparison otherwise. And I was saying um, for, I think it's third season of Disenchantment, there was, um, it reminded me a little bit of a plot line there with Bean, so, um, and someone she met, so I'll just leave it at that, but I really like that, so the first part of, of Girl from the Sea really reminded me of that. I like how much you've gotten into this. I still haven't come back to the third season because I really need to refresh. I tried doing the first episode of the third season. I'm like, I don't remember half the stuff that you clearly expect me to remember. And, and there's a lot that goes on every season of that show. But yeah. I, I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy being like she's about I rarely like protagonists, especially in fantasy stuff. And she is about my favorite protagonist I've seen in a fantasy series. So I'm just like. Finally! <laughs> uh, someone who's not as self-righteous and is fun and kind of a mess and owns it and so, knows she's a mess. <laughs> so, someone who would rather drink than take a stand half the time. It's alright, Bean. We get you. <laughs> um, but that's the girl from the sea. I, you know, I think we both had our reservations, but the, they had more to do with 
our feelings about some of the specific things the story was doing rather than any issues with it doing those things badly. Oh, and the costuming was cute too because Morgan was like getting into fashion design. So yeah. at the end, their little outfits that she had created were kind of cute. And um, the author talked a little bit about that at the end of the book. So I, I want, I just wanted to add that, but yeah, it was, it was a sweet story. And yeah, I, th I think if, if this sort of, I mean, it, it, I would describe it more as a early teen romance drama than I would, you know, with fantasy elements rather than a fantasy story with teen romance drama elements. Yeah. So you, I would recommend it if liking early teen romance drama is your jam and you're open to the fantastical elements. If you're mostly into the fantasy and not so much into the other stuff, this might... You're not a romance fan, it's not... This not. might not be the best fit, but for what it is, I do think it does it well, despite my, my niggles along the way. Lots of kissing. There is lots of kissing. And they're very Sneaky. cute. Yes, they are cute. So that is The Girl from the Sea. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be back with listener feedback. New from Supermates Recordings. Chilling sounds from the house of Franklin Stein. The blood-curdling sounds of horror in one four-episode set. Featuring your favorite stars from classic spooky films. Lon Chaney Jr. and Bella Lugosi. Father was Frankenstein. That your mother was the lightning. Peter Cushing and Stephanie Beecham. The nightmare's over. I think it is. And Christopher Lee. I have returned to destroy you. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. I'm gonna haunt him. That's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Heather Langenkamp and Johnny Depp. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. And Robert England. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Here's more. The hit House of Frankenstein theme by Terry O'Malley. Order now and you'll receive bonus comic stories featuring your favorite superheroes versus fiendish monsters. Offer ends October 31st and it's not available in any store. Here's how to order. To order the chilling sounds from the House of Franklin Stein, save all credit card and COD charges by visiting fireandwaterpodcast.com or search for Fire and Water Podcast Network or Supermates. Podcatchers are standing by. Hey folks, we're back and we have a bit of listener feedback. We're going to start with that given on our last episode, which was us covering Faith, Hollywood, and Vine. First comment is from Lizanne Oswald, who actually opened asking about uh, the introduction, where I introduced myself as Vera as opposed to Nathaniel. Um, she had a number of questions about that. Short version is... I hadn't planned on doing that. It just felt right in the moment. And I've kind of been increasingly using Vera as sort of my professional name in a lot of ways. It does not mean that Nathaniel is a dead name. It does not mean that I consider myself full femme and no longer gender fluid. So it's none of that. It just, it's just where things have leaned at this point. So I'm um, going on from there. Lizanne says, Faith is cool. She was treated well enough in her group, though it was uh, Jim Shooter trying to do an image book or a 90s image book. She looked the same way and was drawn in a wannabe version of Jim Lee's style, 
Nothing was mentioned about her weight. She looked the same, but she was treated as any character in that grrr 90s style uh, where they're trying to be edgy, which is weird for uh, such a talented shooter, but he was trying a trend. This sounds better. Yeah, men like hot chicks, whether they're healthy built or not. Thinking uh, her ex's new girlfriend would call her a, um, would call her an improvement, even if they had the same build, just her being a wench. So a little bit of insight on to how Faith was done in her earlier appearances, which we speculated on but didn't know much about. That's actually kind of nice to see that a deal was not made about her weight even back then. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have called that. I kind of expected that that wasn't the case. Um, that said, I'm still not going to seek it out because if it's if it's 90s era image, it's, <laughs> it's not your favorite. Well, here's the thing. it was at the time because I was 10, but you know, yeah. Since then, since then, having moved, like I think the only image stuff from the early 90s, especially that holds up at all, the Max holds up, and I will defend early Spawn while not defending it that hard. <laughs> but I will still defend it. Most of the rest of it, though... Mm. Yeah, doesn't mm. age well, huh? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I also get what she means about, you know, a very talented and established creator trying to do that style. Mm. As oh... It, it, well, you think it was bad for the writers. It was even worse for the artists. There was... I, uh, back when I did 90s Comics Retrial as a podcast, I did an issue of Fantastic Four Unlimited, and I think I had on, um, I think it was Andrew Leyland I had on, and we talked about this, and the artist, Herb Trimpey, and it was some of the worst art I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> And Andrew was able to explain to me, like, okay, I've never been a huge fan of his art. However, this is him trying to draw a 90s style, and it's such a bad fit. Yeah, the 90s were not kind for anyone who wasn't leading that artistic phase and had to adapt to it. It was bad. <laughs> um, anyways, coming back to the comment... But anyway, Archer is a better fit for Faith. Heck, they put them together later, and the company uh, and the company made ads about the romance because it was kind of cute. Realistic outfits. Have you seen what men wear in comics? Yes, yes, we have. Uh, none of that makes sense in reality. Way too tight in a certain area, and capes. Batman's cape and ears would be in his way all the time. And the mask. Ugh, vision issues. Or Green Arrow's hoodie. Yeah, try running around New York in black and gray spandex. Spider-Man's must be the worst. Parkouring around Queens in New York City in red and blue spandex with a full face mask. Hands and feet covered. This isn't breathing at all. Wonder Woman is probably all relaxed in a swimsuit while Bats and Clark are dying in head-to-toe spandex. Uh, it's true. Like, you can't, you can't think too much about the costumes. That's fair. Um, so, you want to take the next one? Yes. Brian Linton says, positive body image and cute puppies sold. I am always sold on the cute puppies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you still haven't got over we went to We went to a, a winery in, uh, in Plattsburgh, uh -huh. New York, and, the, and there was a puppy there. And you have not gotten over that puppy. It's now, what, two days later? Yeah, that puppy, though, <laughs> is like my favorite motto. <laughs> that puppy, though. Uh-huh. 
Actually, I kept coming across this character on Cosmicology and was intrigued by the aforesaid positive body image, but never picked it up. I checked that chalked that up to my complete ignorance of the Valiant universe, which I also had complete ignorance of. Yeah. Then the stars aligned. After listening to this episode, I hopped on Cosmicology and found that this book, along with other Valiant titles, were on sale. It looks like it runs through um, August 9th, which now is in the way back. Which is Rolls. At the time, at the time Brian made the comment, it, that was a, a week's extra time to give yeah, to... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, Brian says I grabbed it for my daughter and myself. I haven't made time to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to giving it a read. I have to ask my daughter if she's had a chance to look at it. Thanks for another remarkable episode. And then from Tim Price, hey, I actually have something to say about this book. How strange. I was buying a couple of Valiant titles back when it launched, but not the, the series with Faith slash Zephyr. The occasional crossover did include her, and my impression was positive, but still not enough to pull the trigger. Your extremely positive review of this graphic novel was good enough for me to take the plunge. Bonus, on sale at Comixology. This book was a delight. I really love Faith, her character, powers, costume, just a winner all around. Obviously, I find her relatable as a comic book nerd, but I adore the balance in the story between Faith using superhero stories as a playbook for her life, but Smartly says, no, that's silly. This is real life when needed. Such as taking off her disguise in front of her boss, blowing her secret identity, because saving lives is more of important, of course. I've already bought two more volumes for future reading. Thanks so much for introducing me to this comic. Great episode, as always, my punchers. Reading soon, Snapdragon, combination of dragging my feet and super busy, but I got it digitally, so I will be there, honest. And then Captain Entropy says, Hi Liz and Vera, I have a bit more listening time, graciously gifted by a breakthrough COVID case. Um, she, er, Captain reminds us to get um, vaccinated. Um, so I'm... Ex Expanding my listening palette, and I was excited to see you had just covered a comic I enjoyed. My daughter picked up Faith, Hollywood and Vine, a while ago and shared it with me when she was done. We both really enjoyed it for all the reasons you did. Positive body image, refreshingly realistic treatment of the secret identity trope, etc. In fact, the whole thing came across as a realistic portrayal of what being a psychologically healthy single 20-something woman would be like. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's an accurate description. That description highlights so many reasons it was refreshing. Anyways, thanks for helping me recuperate, and I hope to listen again soon. And then um, Captain Entropy adds a little bit about um, their opinion on the Black Widow movie um, and the, uh, their families. Um, yeah, and there's a few back and forths with Captain M. Trippy and Tim Price. And I did go back and check because Tim did get to Snapdragon. Yes. And left a comment. So going back to that. I know this is terribly late when, com when compared to when the episode aired, but as promised, uh, in my feedback to Faith, I have finally read Snapdragon. On the surface, I don't think I have a lot to say, but let's see. Well, looking at the length of the comic Tim, comment, Tim, yeah, you kind of did. <laughs> First off, the artwork is adorable. It's somewhere between Steven Universe and She-Ra in tone and style, and I love both those shows, so very enjoyable for me. 
The characters are so delightful. Jax is just a cool old witch. Snap is a firecracker. Mm -hmm. Lulu is sweet and lovable. And Good Boy is the bestest good boy. Oh, my heart. <laughs> He's good boy. He's good boy. Uh-huh. For the story, I also was enjoying it before Real Magic came into play. Honestly, it didn't need the addition to hold my interest. It didn't bother me overly much either. I just had fun with it. And it gave the setup for one of my favorite panels. Ooh, this is a perfect stick. Seriously, how great was that? Now, uh, the bit which I'll munge up all because I'm ignorant. Uh, Jackson Lulu's portrayals are so good and their stories are just about the best part of the book. I especially like Lulu getting to be themselves in a gradual, natural, and non-combative way. The gradual acceptance by Lulu's family was beautiful to see. As a boring cisgender male wasp, does it strike home? No, of course not. But can I identify with how it moves someone who's been in Lulu's shoes? Absolutely. I was totally thinking, aww, at the Thanksgiving scene. So sweet. So, in case it wasn't obvious, I really like Snapdragon. Thank you so much for covering it, my punchers. And, like, Tim, to be fair, like, I did also used to be a, a boring male cisgender wasp. Um, and I'm still most of those things. So, you know, I, I get it, buddy. I do. <laughs> it was a really sweet story. And there's a lot of... Um, kids that are liking it too. So I've, I've talked to several adults who have loved it and said like either like their their children have loved it or like kids they knew have loved it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it does in my library this year. You'll have to let me know because I did, I did really, really like that one. I know. I know. I'm sure if we ever do another top 10 or something, it's, we'll see it on there. It's queerness and witchery. Like, I... Mm. And a really cute three-legged dog. And good boy! <laughs> and good boy! He's such a good boy! He's a very good boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we do know what we're doing next month. We are doing Anya's Ghost. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we won't miss our release uh, anytime <laughs> soon. Again. I'll try to remember you, <laughs> remind you of dates there. <laughs> I love that you still somehow, by that statement, you still somehow take our responsibility that it's your responsibility to remind me to not blow it. <laughs> well... It's really yes. her fault, folks. She did. Like, this is the tactic my kid use, uses. Did you do your homework? You didn't remind me! Oh, so now it's my fault. Got it. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh. Anyways... Schedules are hard. <laughs> we'll see you next month, folks. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left on fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can support the network by finding us on Patreon. This particular show was supported by Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye! <laughs>